0: Welcome to Deeper Dish. Welcome to the first episode of Deeper Dish. I am super, super excited. My wife always tells me that I, I don't show emotion very well. So if it doesn't sound like I'm super excited, this is me being really excited. So I, I apologize if, it, if it's not coming through. But I'm excited. Today, my co-host, Morgan, and I had a chance to sit down with Elle. Elle and I attended grade school together many, many years ago, many, many moons ago. We lost touch shortly after grade school, and we reconnected recently on Facebook. And through that reconnection, I learned that Elle had experienced some tragedy, some hardship and adversity uh, in her life. Up until recently, she wasn't really able to kind of share that story. And um, she agreed to come on the show and talk about it. One of the reasons, actually, that Morgan is helping me co-host this show was my need to create a safe space for Elle to really share her story. So we're just going to get right into it now. So I guess where we'll start is tell everyone how we met. We met a long time ago in grade school. I don't know if we should say this, but L was my first girlfriend <laughs> ever, yeah. and and we probably even at that age couldn't have been more different if you looked at us from afar, yep. right? What what would be the the correct term to describe how you dress? I have a friend that has a term. I don't know if it's a an appropriate term. To I use. I would
1: say hood. I don't know. Yeah, it, I was yeah. The hood. Oh. You had the
0: big pants. You had the the bangs. The big like, hair. It looked like it looked like one of those um, chola. There you go. I didn't want to say it. I can't say it. You can say it. It looked like a like one of those movies, right? One of those blood
1: in, blood out. <laughs>
0: yeah, it was it was like that, and so people were really shocked to see us together. Yeah, I
1: looked a little weird.
0: No, you didn't look weird. You looked fine. Like, like that's how all the other kids in the in, the, in our yeah. class. So our school was like one third white, one third black, one third Mexican. That was their model of the one third of the people that were white. A lot of them were first generation or actually just come over from Europe. So this was like the 90s. And so there's a lot of stuff happening. So we had this really interesting, diverse experience. It was awesome. I- experience. Even within that, like school, us together. There were some was standouts. Like, like and- wow, like, what, what's, what's going on? But when we got together, we started to figure out she's really, really, really smart. Like super, <laughs> super smart. Very, very sensitive. Very caring person. Mm-hmm. Um but even back then, I got a sense that you were kind of you were carrying more weight than a uh, 12- or 11-year-old probably should, right? Yeah. And from my background, right, living in North Londo, I had probably some weight, too. And then when we got together, it was just really chill. And then she was also kind of all over me because I was uh, a... <laughs> Yeah. Sexy, sexy dude. Very, in the handsome, back right. very, mm-hmm. very handsome, very handsome dude. Yes. But um, so that's kind of how we met. But he what gets I-
2: that into every audio so far. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right, by but the way, I mean, we, we're only a couple minutes in and he's already got that in there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But,
0: but one of the, one of the things that I think tied not only us together, but a lot of the people that went to our school is that a lot of us had come from poor or impoverished mm-hmm. backgrounds, right? And we had certain experiences growing up, whether it be we go over to Granny's house and we think we're just going to visit Granny, but guess what? We're going to Granny's because the lights got cut off yeah. or the gas got cut off. Yeah. Um, we spent a lot of time with our, all of our families because it's easier for a whole bunch of people to take care of a house or an apartment than just two or, or three yes. people. Mm-hmm. And I felt like back then, we kind of had that shared experience too. And we, we didn't talk about it that much. No, but we didn't. But we knew, right? We all knew that. We felt that. Yeah, mm-hmm. we felt it. This segment and this episode is about is about certain experiences, about being poor, about being impoverished, mm-hmm. about the things that we've had to go through and we've experienced, whether they've happened to us or decisions that we've made. And so where are you from?
1: I'm from Chicago, born and raised.
0: What part of Chicago?
1: Southside, 18th Street, Pilsen.
0: Pilsen, mm-hmm. from Pilsen? Yes. Morgan lives in Pilsen.
1: I do. Right Be- off 18th Street. Before it was Pilsen. Before the gentrification. <laughs> you <were there. laughs> right. You were there before it was Pilsen. gentrification actually. Because yep. right. it got gentrified in the 50s with the Mexicans right. and the, kicking the Lithuanians yeah. out. So it's yep. a whole re-gentrification. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I'm from.
0: Yep. So, so talk about your experience over there growing up. What, what that oh, was like.
1: Oh, it was, it was odd because, um, you know, I want to say it was 95% Mexican. Mm-hmm. Very Mexican-looking Mexican. And as you can see, I don't look very mexican so i encountered um some issues growing up but i was a fighter so nobody really fucked with me because i would (laughs) beat their ass but and i was also like you know in the top tier of the students in school Mm so i usually you know just kept myself busy but um let's see growing up there you kind of see the spectrum of the economic situation of people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, We grew up pretty okay. My grandfather had a good job. Mm -hmm. Uh, My grandparents raised me because my mother had her issues and my father had his issues. So Mm -hmm. I was raising my grandparents and two of my other cousins as well. Mm -hmm. And then later on, two more cousins. Mm -hmm. My aunts and uncles, I guess, just didn't want to really deal with their kids. So um, my grandmother didn't work. She stayed home, the typical Mexican housewife. But my grandfather worked for Oscar Mayer for over 40 years. So there was a household full of children. Yes, always. Always. But my grandfather was a Rosicrucian, so he went to San Diego a lot. Uh, He did a lot of traveling. He loved big band music. So on the weekends, my grandparents would go dance, Glenn Miller Band, you know, Celia Cruz, a lot of different. We had a a very good role model in our home Mm -hmm. to open us up to many, many, many things that most people really don't even think about Mm -hmm. teaching their children. So uh, we were good. We had a clean home, no drugs, no alcohol. And there was a household culture, it sounds like, as yes, well. So. Definitely, definitely. We were really tight knit. Everyone came to the house for, you know, whether it was holidays or whatever. But mm-hmm. that's where I lived always, from okay. the age of six to the age of 10 till they left. But they went back to Mexico to retire. My grandfather retired and he left. Okay. Uh, they left. And I didn't want to go with them because I wanted to be with my mother. And that was kind of like where everything kind of went down. But, um, Growing up was was a pretty good experience, but like I said, with the with the empathy, with the whole empath thing, mm-hmm. I would see things and I would just bust out crying and not really understand why people lived this way right. versus the way I was raised.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: One kind of example: there's a little girl in my class, and she was uh, always picked on. Her mother would shave her head because she always had lice. Um, she was really poor. I'm an extreme extremely
2: poor and people would pick on her and kids would always and it, you know I never did it was just and like you knew hurt. that you f- you knew she was poor you knew that even I being felt, that i being felt that young it. yes I I, mm-hmm. I could
1: feel her pain and I knew that she was
2: being abused
1: physically uh, sexually I mean you can see it mm-hmm. uh, one year when I say we were in third grade her she had a birthday party which we were all in shock like mm-hmm. wait a minute you know she invited us to her A lot of kids didn't go because Mm -hmm. the parents didn't want their kids around her. Right. Mm -hmm. Never knew where she lived. When she lived on Halston, me and one other friend went. Mm -hmm. It was a a boy. And as soon as we walked in, I couldn't. I couldn't stay. There was a room of men drinking, like no lights. There was about 12 different men. And they Mm -hmm. were passing bottles and smoking. And her mom was in this kitchen it was just dirty and dank and dark, and, and she was so embarrassed. The men had came out and said something to her. One of those men made a comment, like a sexual comment, to this mm. little girl, and she was so embarrassed. And I just remember the little girl was crying, and I just remember, like, jeez, I, I don't, I didn't even know. And I still, to this day, I think about right. that instance. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't even remember anything other than that. And how old were you? When was 3rd grade, maybe 4th grade mm-hmm. I want to say, so 9, 10, right. uh, around that age mm-hmm. and um, I don't remember what happened to her after 5th grade. I think right. she left or moved or something mm-hmm. and then I seen her again when I was about 13 or 14 mm-hmm. pushing a cart under the the Vidoc mm-hmm. on Canal on mm-hmm. 13th, 16th yeah, mm-hmm. and I just started crying and I just was like, oh my god and I still wonder what happened to her. Like I said, I always missed my mother and all that growing up, but I had mm-hmm. a great home to grow up to, clean right. and, and, and ha- you know, happy. I thought I had a really good childhood, mm-hmm. but I always had that missing my mom thing. Sure. Right. But when it's compared, and I always felt like that, I like, always be grateful. My grandfather always told us that. Like, we may not have everything, yeah, but look around you and look at your sur- surroundings. Money isn't everything.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: not. If you have love and you have
2: caring and understanding and compassion in yeah. your home...
1: yeah you're richer than a lot of people that mm-hmm. have money.
2: And what you just described goes right back to what you were saying about growing up in Pilsen and knowing that cultural divide and yep. seeing that economical, you know, divide, yeah. all of that. And that's just a very early instance of you, you know, being, noticing, being very part of it. Yeah, and feeling it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We grew up not poor. I don't want to say poor.
1: We didn't have a car. We didn't own a house. Yeah. We had an apartment, but it was mm-hmm. a really big, clean, nice apartment. Mm-hmm. But we were always... As children, my grandfather always taught us, you know, money is not happiness. Yes, work for what you want, and yes, work hard and, yep. and go to school and be positive and all that other good stuff. Yep. But if your goal is just money, you're never going to attain it because money—it's a number, and it—you can—you're going to keep going. You can always get more, of yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Really? So yeah.
0: Take take me back to that ten years old when you made a decision. You made it. Sounds like you made the decision not to go to Mexico with your yeah. Uh, my guardians at the time take me back there because it it seems like that's an inflection point right yeah so that decision is made by you
1: 100 percent by me
0: right then what happened how did your situation change or how did it get better
1: my uncle um was a sergeant in when they invaded panama to get um it was a or or the the
0: panamanian leader yeah there you go Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah uh he passed away and um, so what happened was my grandfather uh, was a parachutist in the Korean War. Mm-hmm. And so his understanding was if someone passes away, the, the U.S. government pays for everything, takes care of everything. Well, he got stuck with a few thousand dollars worth of bills for the funeral and whatnot. And he's like, wait a minute. My son died defending your country, uh, this country. I fought for this country. Why? Mm-hmm. So he just got really angry. He said, I'm going to Mexico. Retiring. I'm oh, going wow. to Mexico. He left. He built his house over there. He was absolutely done with the United States. Wow. They wanted me to go. But so many years of not living with my mother. And the Mm -hmm. funny thing is I never realized my mother lived five minutes away, and she would only come see me twice a year. And she would always put me to sleep before leaving because she knew I was going to cry. And I didn't realize that she only lived five blocks away. Anyway, um, so I left. I, I wanted to be with her, and she lived with her... Boyfriend at the time, she already had two children from him. Three, I want to say. Every year she would have a, a child. And um, no, they had no electricity. They had no running water. He was Ooh. a hoarder, so there was maybe two feet of who oh, knows wow.
0: what. What neighborhood were we talking about?
1: Right on 17th and um, Loomis. Okay. 17th and Loomis. That's where the house was. They actually knocked it down. It was so bad that mm-hmm. they had to just tear the whole thing mm-hmm. down. So I, I stood with them. And that's when I started going to Andrew Jackson, I think the, next, mm-hmm. the following year. So I was being bused, which was awesome. The bus system there for that school was just amazing because then you get to meet kids from all over the city. It's really nice. Right. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of where everything kind of changed. Mm-hmm. You know, dealt with a lot of poverty, is not the word for the way we lived. That was disgusting, the way we lived. But that was true poverty. That was no <coughs> money. And then the way they would make money was my mother's boyfriend was a dope fiend. Mm-hmm. He would buy, someone would come to him house, his house like, you know, white folks from suburbs coming to buy dope. He would buy it from someone named Ma, who was one of the gang leader's mothers, and she would sell it to him for half price. So if he's selling a $10 bag, he's making $5 off that mm-hmm. bag. Right. That goes towards his fix first. Mm-hmm. Before we eat, before we drink, before anything, he needs to have enough for him not to be sick.
2: What was your awareness level as you are in it? I mean, I know a lot of this you learn after. You know, you can you can see it for what it is. But w- what were you aware of in the
1: moment? I was aware 100%. Yeah. Like I said, I, it was always more a little bit more sensitive than most kids. Uh-huh. And I was a lot more aware and conscious of why people and grown-ups do what they do.
2: Wow. Kids
1: don't really understand it, you know. And I was very conscious of it at a really early age. So it was really easy for me to understand, like, I was at the point where I'm like, shit, what did I do? I should have just left with my mm. grandparents. Mm. You know, so I stood there for two years. And then my uncle lived on 18th and and He took me in because he didn't want to see me there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I met you. That was in seventh grade. So that's mm. when I met you. That's when I started going, when we started talking and everything was when I was going mm. with my uncle.
0: Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't. Yeah. I, we never really, I mean, we talked about certain things. Mm-hmm. But we never talked about those two oh, transitions. Yeah. Before you and I started becoming friends?
1: He, you know, we lived in an apartment. It was a small apartment, but it was clean. There was food, there was water. Mm-hmm. He was uh, the leader of a gang at that time. Mm-hmm. So he had a lot of guns. They had their meetings there, and I was always there. And he was okay with it. Were you the only child in the household? No. He had a daughter who was about six at the time, mm-hmm. my cousin, and then his wife had gotten pregnant while I was living there.
0: In a very short amount of time, you move from three situations. And all I can think of is the safety in each situation. Mm-hmm, so you're with yeah. your grandparents.
1: Which I was fine. Fine.
0: You mm-hmm. were getting you were getting everything you need. And then you move to the second situation where it's like almost nothing. Right. And then you move kind of with your uncle. And it's it's safer. But from the outside, guns. And, yeah. and, and, and it's probably people are doing what they need to do. This is the life they live. But you, did you feel safer? Oh, very and safe. Wow, okay. Very safe. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah.
1: Well, safe, number one, because being raised in that culture, the gang culture, the more guns you have, the safer you are. Mm. Living on the second floor, you're a lot more safer as well, especially that the first floor is a business. Nobody can really run up on there. And as a kid, when you're raised like that, you, you think about that. Like, you don't ever stand facing the street. Like even as a child, you know, mm-hmm. never stand facing the street. Mm-hmm. Whenever a car's coming up, you got to turn around and make sure who they are. If you see someone running, you better make sure why they're running. Make sure they're not running toward you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's these little things. But yeah. I felt safe with him because he was chief and he had all these guns. Mm-hmm. And I was safe. And every time I walked down the street, I had at least three people walking with me. Mm-hmm. So I was safe. In that sense, I really wasn't, you know. But no. that's part of, even still to this day... I'm hood, you see my tattoos, I talk a certain way. But I'm also intelligent, and I also understand why people do the things they do. You know, I don't blame it on anything other than everyone has free will. And we Mm -hmm. all, you know, Mm -hmm. choose to put ourselves in certain situations. I was kind of, I couldn't do much for myself at 12, so I kind of had to go with the flow and and Mm -hmm. go wherever I was
2: safer. Yep. As you shouldn't have been been expected to do no. much for yourself at 12, you know? No. Right. I, it, yeah. it's,
0: but it's, it is interesting, though, because one of the things you mentioned to me in conversation, whether it was on Facebook or in person, some people have to grow up faster than others, yes. given their situation, whether it be um, family situation, whether it be whatever they're going through. It seemed like you grew up really fast yeah. in a short amount of time. Can you can you talk a little bit about how those experiences maybe had helped you grow up faster? Do you think that was a good thing or do you think that was a a bad thing or you something you wish could have gone differently?
1: The main thing that I've seen and I and I've talked about this with my daughter who's 19. I I don't see having children and raising children as an economic thing. A lot of people are worried about money and how you're going to send them to college. It's more about what kind of person you're showing them to be, what type of mm-hmm. human being mm-hmm. you are mm-hmm. showing them to be. Money doesn't really mean it. It wasn't raised with it. And right. It doesn't mean anything to me right now. I would rather go live somewhere and, and live off a barter system than even use money. I don't yeah. really care. But um, my point is I feel like I did grow up really fast, and I'm glad because I used this as a point to show my children mm-hmm to be the kind of mother I didn't have Mm -hmm. and the type of role model growing up that I didn't have. Mm -hmm. So in turn, the mistakes I feel like the grown-ups around me made and the reasons as to why I had to grow up made me a better mother. Mm -hmm. Everything is intertwined. There's no coincidences. So many, many years I I dealt with depression and I dealt with um, suicidal thoughts and I, I dealt with all these things because of my upbringing, because I didn't finish school, because I didn't you know, everything kind of like fell after I went to DCFS after mm-hmm.
2: I lived with my uncle because mm-hmm. I moved back with my mother, all these other issues. Um, and what, when was that? Sorry for point of I'm reference. Sure. What how, what age was that? That was when I was 13. When you started noticing the feelings and started noticing the depression and um, really... Or, oh, this... Since I was like six years old. Okay. I can say I was depressed. So it, it was there yes. the whole time. The mm-hmm. whole time it was there.
1: If it wasn't for me having to deal with all that, I don't think I would have been the mother I am today and my daughter my 19-year-old would not be the awesome person that she is today. Mm. She is amazing. I always felt like someone owed me. I felt like someone owed me all these years of childhood that I was robbed of and of just being carefree and not worrying about anything. Someone owed me. So I lived a lot of years being resentful and hateful and, and you know, drowning it with alcohol and booze and not being responsible. And I see my daughter. She's nineteen. She has two jobs. She doesn't want any children. She's very independent. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, yes. It were it it was for a reason, right? You know, sometimes you have to Mm -hmm. forget about yourself when you become a parent. Mm -hmm. You have to always be happy and make sure that you're emotionally and mentally well enough to raise children, Mm -hmm. to raise these little human beings, because that's what they are. They're just little human beings that soak everything up. They soak everything up. Yep. (laughs) You got to give them something good. To soak up that's how I feel about it I think that's my opinion this everything happened for a reason, and I'm totally happy with it now I'm okay it doesn't make me um, angry anymore I don't feel resentment towards my mother mm-hmm. and my father yeah my our, okay. my relationship with my father's awesome now my relationship with a lot of people that mm-hmm. I really had so much anger for is mm-hmm. so good because mm-hmm. I, I let it go it it serves me no more purpose to hold that anger or hold the hate or all those bad yeah. memories. you've done a lot of work. I'm a lot of Mm work inside. Inside. Oh, I've done so much. And it's It comes through. Yeah. It's every day. It's everyday constant. I'm talking Mm -hmm. to myself Mm 24-7, reminding myself that you're good. You're okay. You just got to keep going.
0: I want to talk about where you are right now and how you went through that process to determine kind of what kind of mother you want to be, what kind of partner you want to be, because I know that's very important to you, that you're supportive of the people. Yes. Um, but there was a period from let's say 7th 8th grade to now right mm-hmm. that in your mind it got really really bad oh yeah and and we don't have to talk about necessarily the the details mm-hmm. what i want to understand is as you're going through that what what's the what's, what's your mental frame of mind as you're going through these really 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 you know dark periods is it just survive or is it i'm just taking it day by day it seems like you've always had people around. Some of them really amazing. Some of them, there's a point where you'd had nobody around and one could say the system did not help you at all. Right. Didn't help people. It failed. Mm -hmm. Like people Mm -hmm. fall through the cracks. And especially specifically in Chicago, you you mentioned DCFS and all that stuff. You talk about that as well. Most
1: children that are in the DCFS system were raised in poverty and raised Mm in, you know, bad backgrounds, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Obviously, there's lots of reasons for poverty, but many of them stem down to drug abuse. You know, the adults who are in charge Mm -hmm. just cannot get their self together, Mm -hmm. do not want to get a higher education, do not want to get a better job, can't get a better job, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. I think with the whole DCFS, because I was so adamant on being with my mother and now I had five brothers and sisters who were in the foster system and I took care of them. Mm-hmm. When my mother was, and that's why I missed all those days in eighth grade, and that's mm-hmm. why I didn't graduate on stage, because there was times she would leave for three days, and I had, you know, a one-year-old, two, three, four, five to take care of. I've done things at the age of 12 and 13 that I'm not proud of, no sexual, nothing like that, nothing like that, but hurting people to survive, to feed my brothers and sisters, to feed myself, to get myself to school, to be able to wash clothes, to be able to have clothes. So, yeah, w- when the whole DCFS thing happened, they took them away. So then it was just me. Of course, mentally, I was just gone. Like, I just... But it, I was in survival mode.
2: You mean, like, a numbness? Like, a like, numbness. A, I was yeah. numb.
1: I was numb. I, I just... I, I, being an empath and feeling everything so deeply and so profoundly, I had to it's kind like of... like you shut it off. It.
2: Yeah, shut and it off.
1: And the only way I did it was alcohol.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's basically how I, how I numbed myself. And... um I didn't see my brothers and sisters for a long time after that because they were shipped here and there and Mm -hmm. everywhere. So I was placed in a foster home. I couldn't deal with it. The lady was a racist, a crazy Mm -hmm. racist. There was another... Uh, there's a Mexican kid that she was also fostering. He didn't speak English. Mm-hmm. So when I would speak to him, she would get so angry. Right. She said, there's no Spanish allowed in my home and all this other thing. Oh, my yeah. goodness. <laughs> Excuse me. Wow. So it was, Talking about the system failing. System was yeah. really oh. bad. It was just really bad. And yeah. um, then I went to some group homes, which were even worse. Mm-hmm. There was, oh, my God, the, the one that was on Montrose. There was a, a facility that was right on Montrose right off mm-hmm. Marine Drive. It's all boarded up. I can't even go through there without, like, you know, cringing. My skin mm-hmm. crawls. This was the intake building. So when you were coming into the system, or you were getting placed, or getting out of a group home or a foster home, you go there first, mm-hmm. and you stay for about three days until mm-hmm. they figure out where they're gonna dump you next. Mm-hmm. The first time I was there, I got um, threatened to have my throat slit while I slept
0: Jeez.
1: because I was conversating with this pregnant girl who was 12 years old and her mm. girlfriend didn't like that.
2: Wow. It, it was weird. It was just weird. So mm. she threatened to So it was from another child? From another child. Like it was, yeah,
1: it was just an unsafe environment. Yeah, it's just not a environment, safe yeah. yeah. So I ran away that day with <sighs> that girl. With from that the girl. group home? From the group home. I ran away three times. I actually got shot and what? ran away while I was on crutches.
0: <gasps> <laughs> Ooh, you got shot? Did you just
2: say shot? Yeah, when I was 14. Yeah. And you ran away from the group home on crutches. Yeah, on crutches. Yes where do you go where do you go when you run away from a group well when
1: they when they when you run away you can run away you just say key me down i'm going on run that's how you say it because we're on the third floor you
0: you literally let them know i'm leaving i'm I'm running away you
1: have to key me down which means they have to use the key because you cannot be on only the workers that have a key to open Mm -hmm. the elevator Mm -hmm. so you tell them key me down i'm going on run they cannot stop you for whatever legal reasons sure even though you're a minor, you they cannot stop you. So as soon as you leave, they call the cops and give them your description. That don't mean they're going to find you. <gasps> are,
0: we, are we serious right now? I'm like... Yes. Oh.
1: So oh. the first time I did that, I was 12. The second time, I was 13. And then the fourth time that I was there, because you know mm-hmm. I kept running away or whatever, um, I had just gotten shot. So when I was in the hospital, I would give a fake name. Because I was word of the state, and I didn't want them to take me back. Mm -hmm. Um, This is one of the times I ran away, and and I ran back to my mother's house. And, of course, I was in the neighborhood and hanging out and whatever. But, yeah, the last time I ran away, I was on crutches. And um, I ran away with a girl that was, she had scabies. Mm -hmm. She was, uh, Mm -hmm. like, in quarantine. And then another girl who knew, um, the girl with scabies, the only reason why I ran away with her is because she had a ride
0: sure <laughs> yeah. oh, so you can go, you can get farther away. So
1: we can get farther away. So, and we were all south. So mm. it was like everything worked out. But yeah, it, it was crazy. But the first time with the pregnant girl was scary because we left. I don't know anything about the north side. She walks, she goes, We're going to go uh, to my mama's house or something mm. like that. But we need a ride. So she stops some guy in a minivan, Spike doing in a minivan, and she gives him a blowjob basically she's nine months pregnant she's 12 years old and she gives him a blowjob we we get in the car and they start talking and i kind of get that vibe like wait a minute so they park in this parking lot and he says are you gonna watch and i'm like no and she knew that i wasn't on that level that she was on right so she had told me go wait for us out there but that's when he was like are you gonna watch and no so i stood out and i we were like in a parking lot so I walked to the curb and I was just waiting. I knew what she was doing. Um, and that was it. And she got—he gave her money, right? Gave me bus money, mm-hmm. and we just thank you. Gave her a hug, mm-hmm. good luck to you, and I never seen her again. Wow. But she was from the north side, so yeah. I was going the whole opposite. She just needed bus fare as well.
2: And you're twelve.
1: And she was twelve. And she was nine months pregnant. Yeah.
0: So, wow. I mean, mm. in, in these experiences I'm hearing for the first time, it's, it's, it's especially now I've got a kid. It's, it's, it's hard for me not to cry.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't talk about these things to just, you know, Yeah. especially those instances yeah. where mm. I kind of have pushed them, pushed them back. Cause yeah. I don't want to, f- yeah. cause I don't, Protection. I don't think yeah. I feel. Mm-hmm. so yeah. it 's like when I have a memory it 's not just thinking i 'm feel, yeah, feeling yeah. what yep. I felt at that moment yep. it, i wasn 't scared, I was hurting for her. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with me at that moment. I was irrelevant. It was more for this girl, this 12 mm-hmm. year old my age mm-hmm. and i 'm a virgin i 've never had mm-hmm. any type of sexual contact, and this girl's already a pro right. basically basically yeah. a prostitute yeah. It's stuff that i've I've seen a lot, a lot, yeah. a lot of. There, bad there's,
0: stuff. there's this common theme I hear in a lot of your stories.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's always I was trying to get back to my mom. Yeah, I was that trying. That was always. To, I was trying to get back to my mom. Always. And when mm-hmm. we, that was always. And we talk about, you know, poverty and being poor, and it sounds like you're saying that there were at the time there were decisions made that didn't help her help, be able to help you. No. But yet you are still, I mean, you, a 14-year-old on the north side of the city trying to get back to the That's not easy. No, it's not. But it seems like that, I, I hear that it's, it's, it's always coming back. It was so, always,
1: it was always yeah. going back to my mom. Well, the first time that I left, which yep. was that time with yep. that girl, um, I made it back. I walked down Ashings, because that's the one street I knew. Mm-hmm. Ashland, and I made it to I think Irving Park, I think it was, mm-hmm. and that's when I caught the bus and mm-hmm. I went or Irving Park and West or whatever.
0: I used to drop you off every day on Ashland.
1: On Ashland. Mm-hmm. On Ashland.
0: Yeah. Used to catch. Used to. I remember. That. Used to catch so, the bus. You used, used to tell me. I know Ashley. I know how to. If I can find Ashland, I can get home. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That
1: was Ashland. Was always like the one street that I knew. Yep. I can get back and mm-hmm. forth to. Mm-hmm. Um, and the when this was three days after the initial dcfs coming and taking us mm-hmm. physically taking us out of our apartment so when i got home and i don't even remember what time it was it was in the daytime sometime my mother was sitting at the table like with three of her friends and they're just drinking and getting high and smoking crack and doing dope and and she's just sitting there depressed crying oh you know gives me a big hug and, and the kids and all this and I'm looking at her and I'm looking at the table and I'm looking at her company and I'm like do you think doing this is really helping you? Mm-hmm. I mean what are you doing? What are you doing? It- Everyone copes and I didn't understand this mm-hmm. at the time she was coping but mm-hmm. the wrong way Yeah. and then I started doing that once I got older yeah. coping sure. the same way but I mean it it was just like here we go again. Yeah. It's
0: interesting because hmm. you you say, "Do you think this is helping you?" And a lot of people would say, "Do you understand what I had to do to get back to you?" No. Nope. I, I just think it's interesting for that you say it the way you say it. Yeah. Right? Hmm. You say, "Is this helping?" You're you you are you're very concerned with other people, and, and uh, I that's and mine. I've always mm-hmm. loved that about you. But you went you went through war zones you people you didn't know (laughs) what you experienced you know this prostitution thing Mm -hmm. to get back to to this person and that's that's interesting that you didn't bring that part up you didn't say well man i went through a whole bunch of stuff to get back to you i wasn't even yeah
1: that wasn't even really my my concern was her yeah and plus she was battling cancer at the time yeah okay so it's like i was more concerned with her Mm -hmm. (laughs) obviously she wasn't concerned with me yeah you know those tears that were falling. Did uh, you
2: know that at that point? Yeah. That you knew you know, you knew yep. that she wasn't concerned with you. Yep. And what did what did that do? It just kind of
1: I I knew that she was at that moment I knew we were never gonna be together. You know, mm. I knew my brothers and sisters weren't coming back. I knew I could never be with her mm. and I knew she was not going to do what she needed to do. She did though. She ended up no, I'm sorry. Before she got the apartment, she was not a halfway home mm-hmm. uh, for about nine months on the west side. Mm-hmm. She did get clean, mm-hmm. and that's how she got the apartment. That's how we moved to 21st and Washington, where I started um, gang banging and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's that's when we moved there. But then she just met funky people that she shouldn't have been hanging out with. Yep, mm-hmm. got her right back into the same right. old situation. Right. Oh, no, because you know if your friends, if you're whatever you are, and your friend's not getting high with you, right? You want them to get high with yes, you Yes. That's just right. the way it works. It is.
0: There was no reprieve. There was no there was absolutely one thing no, after no break. There was yeah. one thing after another. Like, yeah, it was one, it was literally one thing after another. So yeah. the, the the fact that you're here is a you know, we need to celebrate that. Oh, I do. Um
1: I made it. I'm like Right. Yay, Yay. Right.
0: I made it. And I feel I feel like this These type of stories and experiences are what people don't hear. uh, Specifically, it's not just Chicago-based, right? I mean, this is happening all over the place. But you and I lived pretty much in the same area, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: went to the same school, same teachers, some of the same experiences. But you were going through all this, this stuff. You know that people. You know, you don't gotta tell everybody all this yeah, stuff. Of course. I, I remember, you know, calling you at the hospital. I think after I graduated we stayed in touch for a I think little we did. a little bit. A little bit, yeah. And then I remember I wrote you that letter. Yeah. Um I
1: was like, Oh my gosh, I remember it's in red ink too. I think <laughs> which I, I didn't
0: know at the time you're not supposed to write someone a letter in red ink. <laughs> but no, so I think someone someone had told me <laughs> that you should reach out to Elle because she might be going through some stuff. Oh. I had no clue what that meant. The now that I I think back, maybe that letter was like more meaningful than, than I, I You would never understand
1: how happy that letter made me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, and, I'm, and really what the letter was really about was I know that I moved on, you know, and I'm in high school. You're very special to me, so yeah. we should stay in touch. Here's my number. Here's my address. Like, all this stuff and just saying, like, what I liked about you as an eighth grade yeah. kid. Little puppy yeah. loves. Even that to me,
2: that <laughs> so to me nice. blows my mind because right. how in touch, you know, both but, of you were at that age and even you knew too. Yeah, But
0: but you, you mentioned about having feelings and being able to sense something. When we were friends, I always sensed there was something going on, like there was something more going on because mm-hmm. we, we would have some intense conversations sometimes yeah. and I think you probably wanted to hit me a couple times. <laughs> um, but I definitely sensed that there was more there and so i think when i started writing this letter i was like i just need this person to know that there's someone out here that thinks really amazing wonderful things about them and then i didn't hear from you i was like oh. I know. but when you, no but when you, when you don't hear from someone you're like they're good they're no, okay good. They're, they're okay cuz yeah. that's how i operate yeah. i'm like if my mom or my dad or someone doesn't hear from me they're good right and then when we reconnected we started talking cuz i was in i was abroad and then i was like I will never ever not talk to her again <laughs> because I feel like my family could have taken, you know, <laughs> taken you in and been or been a support or something like that. So then I'm like, oh, like what what could I have done? And now you're telling me more things I mm-hmm. I, I did I didn't know. Yeah. And it's literally not about me. It's really about being there for a friend because you were always a really good friend to me, even even back then. You know I'm what trying. I mean? Um so you talked a little bit about you talk a lot about going through these experiences, but then you came out of it, right? Mm-hmm. You're still in Chicago. You came out of it. Can you talk a little bit about how you did that? Come out of it, and, oh, okay. and then like, what does that really mean when I say you came? You came yeah. out of it. What does that mean to you?
1: Um, well, after all that, you know, I was still in the streets and I was still in the neighborhood and and not doing anything with myself. Mm-hmm. I ended up going to high school when I was supposed to be a sophomore. I was supposed to go to Kenwood Academy. Mm-hmm you know, didn't go because of hood stuff and whatever. So then, um, you know, it was, it was still bad time. I mean, my mom was really sick with cancer and in and out of ICU and didn't see my brothers and sisters. I had chances. Um, my aunt actually wanted me to stay with her, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to tell you, honestly, I was I didn't want it mm-hmm. we I were was, shut down at that point. Yeah. I was so used to being on my own mm-hmm. and doing what I pleased. I wanted a nice clean home I did I wanted that, but then I didn't want rules or regulations <laughs> because I was so used to just you yeah. know being out all night, coming in whenever I wanted, you know, so I did have a few chances where i There was always opportunity. That's one thing about me is that I noticed that there was always doors opening. When the door would close, when door would close, another one would open. And I was blessed to have some good people in my life. There was a few. There was a few who actually, you know, cared. But I would always shut them out because I'm just like, look, I don't don't need your rules and regulations. Thanks. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. But understand me, too. And they just couldn't understand. It's like you want one thing and you say you want something Mm -hmm. but when it's given to you you don't want it i wasn't ready i wasn't ready i wasn't i wasn't ready for a lot of things i wasn't ready to be a mother i was a mother at 16 i wasn't ready for that Mm -hmm. i wasn't ready for so many things so i just let them slide and i continued to to suffer and suffer until i kind of got to a point uh, my mom moved to 26th street and i had to sneak in and out because i couldn't be over there with all my tattoos and I just noticed that I was um, drinking too much, mm-hmm. blackout drunk, mm-hmm. um, waking up in people's houses I didn't know where they were, doing all these crazy things. And finally, my dad um, was living in California, and I didn't have a good relationship with him for, since I was really small. When I was little, he was always around. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. When I was living with my grandparents, mm-hmm. my father was always there. Mm-hmm. He just didn't like rules and regulations either, and he liked to get high all the time. So um, anyway... He was living in California. He settled down. He got married. He wasn't wild or anything anymore. He married some Christian lady. So I was like, whoa, my dad totally changed. Mm -hmm. I went to live with him. And if it wasn't for me leaving for those two years and getting away from all the the negativity was just bearing down on me. And this is when I started noticing the difference between negative energy and positive energy being Mm -hmm. thrown at me from different people. Like I really Mm -hmm. started noticing it and kind of getting a grasp on how it's affecting me and how badly people's own stuff Mm -hmm. was affecting me. And it was, it was wonderful.
2: And so what age was that that you left? 19. 19. So you were there until you were 21. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Those are pretty formative years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It helped helped a lot.
0: You literally had to move away
2: out of the state. Remove herself. Remove
0: your, you literally had to remove yourself from your environment Mm -hmm. to change the trajectory Mm -hmm. And I don't, I'm going to say that again. You had to remove yourself. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That's, that's like pretty, that's pretty powerful.
1: I knew that there was no way for me to not go back to the hood every once in a while, not want to call somebody to go party. Mm -hmm. I knew it. Mm -hmm. I was like, there's no way I I can't. And I I need my kid to get the hell out of here. And I need to be healthy for my child Mm -hmm. because I was just leaving her here and there and everywhere. I just didn't want to, and I would hurt when I would leave her. Mm -hmm. But I was too selfish. I'm no. like, no, because I don't want to feel hurt. I don't want to feel nothing. I want to go and I just want to feel good. And I just want to feel good any way I can. Um, So, yeah, I was there for two years. And it was, uh, there was a, another issue I had when I was there. I was pregnant and I didn't know until I got to California. Wow. Mm. That is a whole other <laughs> drama. Yeah. A lot of problems with that as well. As you, s- I don't have a baby that's sixteen, seventeen years old. Right. So a right. baby pa- the baby passed away when he was born. But um, my father stopped talking to me. I got there in October, mm. and in November I found out I was pregnant, and he was like, "So I was living here, there, and everywhere in California, not even knowing anything." Um, got in contact with this people who helped me. I was living in. Um, Redondo Beach, actually, in a really nice area over there with this really Christian lady who was helping me during my pregnancy because I was supposed to be on bed rest Mm -hmm. through this organization. It's just a lot of crazy stuff. But I despise religion. I despise it. But they helped me to open up spiritually. Mm. It really helped me to understand myself spiritually. I was 23 when I came back. Just really totally opened me up to Mm. my first real adult relationship was there mm-hmm. uh, my first real heartbreak and all that because I never that was the one thing as a teenager I never was in a relationship mm-hmm. and I never let anyone get close even right. remotely close and if I did start to have feelings I was gone I would go ghost mode like this mm-hmm. because I had enough going on I didn't need to be romantically mm-hmm. hurt by someone mm-hmm. or broken you know you didn't have the dealing,
0: capacity. it sounds like you did not have the capacity there's like, so never much thought going I, on
1: I never thought I did I actually yeah. never been in love with anyone. Unfortunately, my husband, I love him for the person he is, but I was never in love with him, and I was never in love with any man. And I still don't think I ever have been. Mm. But the past three years, I was in a relationship two years ago, and it showed me that, yeah, I, I could. I'm capable. I actually let myself love someone and let myself be loved. Mm. So it was nice. But, I mean, yeah, California changed my life for the better. And then when I came back, I lived with my mom again. But this time, she was already in remission. Mm -hmm. She didn't have to be a dope fiend because she got morphine legally through her doctor. Mm -hmm. She would smoke crack when she would get her SSI check, maybe two days out of the month. But other than that, she was clean. Mm -hmm. And she lived up north. Uh, She got married for for papers to help this guy get his papers. So we were living in Jefferson Park. I mean, total difference. Jefferson right. Park to Eighteenth wow. Street, Twenty First is just, yeah.
2: and this is still on the uh, kind of like the upward swing of me. Yeah, when yeah. I just left California, yeah. so I was still feeling really good about myself.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like a whole new person. I mean, I totally mm-hmm. felt amazing, and I yeah, made some mistakes, of course, because mm-hmm. I kind of fell back into some things. But um, after she passed away, she passed away in two thousand six, two thousand five. I'm sorry. Um, so I had nowhere to go. She was gone. I had nowhere to go. Um, I met my husband, and we kind of, you know, I needed someone. He was there. He needed someone to help him. He had a drug issue. And we just helped each other to become who we are today. Mm. We've been together for 10 years. And um, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. Mm. I seriously think that. And if it wasn't for me, he probably would have been dead, overdosed, something. Hmm. So, wow. yeah, people come into your life for so many different reasons, and they show you so many things. And it, you know, it's kind of hard to explain. But
2: it's remarkable that you have had a relationship that is sustained for ten years, yeah. given that you've been through so many tumultuous relationships, and you were so shut down for so long. I do, and I and what I was a just cutting beautiful everyone. thing, yeah. yeah. yeah we have two children together. Mm-hmm.
1: So we're always going to be in each other's lives. Mm-hmm. You know, we're separated right now, but I mean, be honest, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to have sex with anyone. So if I want to have mm-hmm. sex, I'm going to have sex with my husband. Just keeping Jeez. it real. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to catch no diseases and I don't want right. to deal with no crazy people. And right, he doesn't want right. anyone. He doesn't want to be separated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do. You know, I have a. We, me and my daughter had a bad relationship because of him. He had his own little. Craziness that I had to kind of deal with and go through, um, but yeah, you know, no. we've we've worked through a lot of things, and yeah. I wish him well, and I will always be his biggest fan. I will always try to to work everything out properly. You know, yeah. not relationship-wise, but any any other because we have children and yeah. they need right. to see yeah. this. We will always co-parent, yeah. no matter what. So,
0: but it sounds like it goes more, it goes beyond more than just parents. You actually care about this person. Like he's yes. one of your best friends, you know. And he, so, there's a lot of love like there has, because of that. He
1: has so much love for me. Yeah. He's seen me at my lowest.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's helped me through my depressions, through everything, everything. Yeah, he sees me. I don't take a, shower. I won't take shower for a week brush my teeth i'll be so depressed you're so beautiful you know mm-hmm. what do you want to eat
0: yeah so it's when beautiful. i when i sit here and i listen to you talk the the the, the i just get one a word just keeps coming back up it's just like for me it's like unbroken it's like you, you don't stop you know like you can't you, even even when you describe certain things that some people might be like that's still kind of not the greatest you're like nope we're gonna keep moving. We're gonna get Survivor. That's yeah, the word that yeah. came up for me. Yeah, yeah just Su- survivor.
2: You got hardcore. Yeah, survivor.
0: That, that is that is interesting. I, I thank you for <laughs> pouring your heart out and
2: so much love. That's yeah, what I'm just you've been pouring your heart
0: out. Deeper Dish this week was hosted by Farah and Morgan. Our amazing intro by Alyssa Moxley. Mixing and editing was done also by Alyssa Moxley. Our outro was performed by From Beyond These Walls and the song is City of Dystopia. You can find Deeper Dish on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to contact us directly, feel free to contact us at deeperdishshy at D-E-E-P-E-R D-I-S-H C-H-I at gmail.com or on Twitter. Our handle is at deeper dish shy our website is www.deeperdishshy.com please rate us and leave your feedback or comments because we use these to get better until the next time